welcome to Pegging Paradise podcast number 291 on June 1st, 2022. Changing the world one ass at a time. My mission here at Pegging Paradise podcast is first and foremost to spread the word about pegging. I offer you accurate information to dispel the common myths and misconceptions. Basically, I spread the knowledge so that you can get onto the thrill of spreading your cheeks or your partners. Another part of my mission is encouraging you to explore your out-of-the-box sexual interests without shame or embarrassment. Shame is the silent saboteur of sexual satisfaction. Don't let it stop you from delving into the world of pegging and any other consensual safe kink that calls to you. The journey can be exhilarating, breathtaking, and life-changing. If you would like to support this mission, become a patron of my work. All patrons have access to the podcast a day early as well as a 24-7 chat channel full of pegging aficionados from all over the world. Rewards for the various levels of monthly support include written and audio erotica to titillate and instigate. Click the donation button on my website. You can also make a yearly one-time donation and receive the same benefits as a monthly patron. Just click that donate button. Another way to support my work is by shopping at enticeme.com, the little black dress of pleasure products. Head over to Entice Me and peruse a meticulously curated selection of luxury, body-safe, non-toxic toys specifically chosen for your thrills and satisfaction. For free shipping of your entire purchase, use the coupon code RIDER, that's R-Y-D-E-R. Need help figuring out which pegging equipment is the best choice for you? I offer free equipment phone consultations for customers of EnticeMe, and you will be supporting my mission of spreading cheeks around the world. <laughs> okay, jumping right in here, I got a comment from somebody, one of my patrons on the Discord channel, and it's funny because I really forgot about this. This is for the woman in the last podcast who wrote in and asked about how to include pain with pegging, which of course is a delicate question, as you recall. And I got the recommendation of figging. Oh my gosh, I totally forgot about figging, okay? So here's a description about what figging is. The ginger, it's like a piece of ginger. The ginger, which is skinned and often carved into the shape of a butt plug, causes an intense burning sensation and often intolerable discomfort to the subject. The effect reaches climax within two to five minutes after insertion and persists for around 30 minutes before gradually easing. The ginger after use can be further skinned and used to extend the experience. Each fresh application of ginger root refreshes the duration of the sensations in the subject. If the person being figged tightens the muscles of the anus, the sensation becomes more intense. For this reason, it is sometimes used in caning to penalize clenching of the buttocks. The subject must choose between bracing for the strike at the consequence of increased burning sensation or relaxing the buttocks and taking the full force of the blow. <laughs> and one more um, suggestion as well was a careful application of Icy Hot. Please be, do be careful with that one, just a little bit to try it out. But that will cause um, in a slight inflammation and uh, irritation of those tissues, which will be somewhat painful, but it will not cause damage. You know, reading a little bit further on the Wikipedia was sort of interesting because it says figging and gingering supposedly originally was used to cause horses to perk up their tails for show riding, which is really kind of fucked up. Some crossover from pony play and friends, and here we are today. <laughs> Humans certainly are creative from hot wings to figging, we feel the burn. <laughs> that was a comment on my Discord channel. And then we start talking about bidets because when when you're when you think about burning around the anus, sometimes that happens if you eat hot food. And it's hysterical because we had this conversation back and forth a bit, kidding about it. And I said, bidets, bidets are the best, man. Bidets are the best, right? And somebody else said, well, capsicum is the, the type of stuff that causes the burn. And actually, that really can only be um, calmed, if you will, by application of milk, or I think there was some other suggestion. I don't know, my bidet seems to work just fine putting water on it. And then out of the blue, 
cruising around on TikTok, there's this one doctor I follow that has all kinds of weird explanations for things. And he talked about this. So I'm going to put a link to that particular TikTok talking about the capsicum, talking about why it burns at both ends. And it was interesting to find out, to discover that the same tissue type of cells are there in your mouth that feel that burn as well as around the opening of your anus. <laughs> and no, you can't taste things in your anus clearly. There are other type of cell receptor things and taste things. Nonetheless, it was, it was a path of discovery, I tell you. So I will put that in the links for you to enjoy that TikTok video. Okay, here is a question I got on my call-in line. Hi, I had a question about prostate. It's been removed and if it's still possible to do pegging, I guess, yeah. So this person called me some time ago and you know, I have talked about this before on a previous podcast. So I'm gonna put the link to that podcast as well. I did a deep dive into this some time ago and the best information I could find was it was at the um, forum over at Aneros because there is, uh, I knew that there was a guy there who had had his prostate removed. So I talked with him and got uh, particular questions answered and basically his take on that. And as I recall, he basically said, yes, the sensation is decreased. It's not as pleasurable, but it's still very intimate and it is still absolutely pleasurable. So that's the short take on it, but I will link to those questions for you as well. I've had that question a couple of times over the years, so I'll see if I can find both incidences of that. So in going back and looking at those podcasts that I mentioned, I'm going to give you some different links. Aneros has a community that has discussions going on all the time. And while they are definitely related to using the Aneros products, we're talking about prostate stimulation. So they have a lot of information there that might be helpful for you because I know there's a lot of different kinds of prostatectomies. There's radical and there's this and there's chemo and there's a bunch of different kinds. And the other thing I'm going to link you to is a fantastic interview with a guy named Cam Frazier, with a guy who had a prostatectomy and had, or I think he was treated for prostate cancer, maybe with chemo. I'm not positive on that, but I listened to the whole podcast and he basically talked all about his journey uh, with his wife, with his ability to have erections, how he felt about his sexuality, the whole thing. I think it would be a lovely thing for you to have access to. So I'm going to put a link to that interview as well. I think it's fantastic. So in going back and looking at those podcasts that I mentioned, I'm going to give you some different links. Aneros has a community that has discussions going on all the time. And while they are definitely related to using the Aneros products, we're talking about prostate stimulation. So they have a lot of information there that might be helpful for you because I know there's a lot of different kinds of prostatectomies. There's radical and there's this and there's chemo and there's a bunch of different kinds. And the other thing I'm going to link you to is a fantastic interview with a guy named Cam Frazier, with a guy who had a prostatectomy and had, or I think he was treated for prostate cancer, maybe with chemo. I'm not positive on that, but I listened to the whole podcast and he basically talked all about his journey uh, with his wife, with his ability to have erections, how he felt about his sexuality, the whole thing. I think it would be a lovely thing for you to have access to. So I'm going to put a link to that interview as well. I think it's fantastic. And here is my next question. The subject is pegging and overall intimacy in my relationship. My girlfriend and I have been dating for a few years, two kids, overall, awesome relationship. We recently started pegging and found it has stirred up some intimacy issues in our relationship. The physical part of pegging has been amazing. The emotional part has been a bit rocky. The first few times I felt a lot more than I had anticipated, which wasn't the problem. The problem is that I needed physical and emotional comfort from my girlfriend who really tried to give it, but I was resistant. This led to discussions regarding our relationship as a whole. She has brought up my lack of vulnerability in the past, and I'll admit, I am quite closed off most of the time. I was raised to be quite stoic, and it was working for me, so why not? 
except it wasn't working. We had a few long talks. She told me she would no longer be able to indulge me in pegging if I was just going to shut her out afterwards, and that as much as I needed to receive the comfort she wants to give, she also needs to give it. We talked about my overall lack of vulnerability and how she feels it interferes with intimacy in our relationship as a whole. So this long-winded message is going somewhere. I tried something completely new and really freaking scary last night. I just completely let my guard down. We did do some pegging. She was incredibly gentle and loving. We finished, and I let her just lay there and cuddle me. After a few minutes, I burst into tears, which was unexpected. She just let me cry for a bit, and afterward, we had sex, just regular PIV. She was already off work today, and I called in sick. We took the kids to school and have been spending the day in bed, just laying together, cuddling, kissing, making love, and she is currently napping. It's been a really amazing and bonding day. I guess the point of this is that it really helped me with opening up and getting to the bottom of some issues we've been having with vulnerability and intimacy. It had been affecting our whole relationship, and pegging, of all things, helped open up the dialogue we needed. I'm not sure why I'm sharing this, but it's the internet and anonymous, so why not? <laughs> yes, the emotional aspect of pegging. See, this is what I mean when I have that sort of tongue-in-cheek, if you will excuse the expression, expression of saving the world, changing the world, excuse me, changing the world, one ass at a time. Yes, so I teach this in every single beginner's class that I believe pleasurable anal penetration requires vulnerability. And I've talked ad nauseum about how much men have been trained out of vulnerability simply to fit in with society's idea of what it is supposed to mean to be a masculine man, right? And this letter is just absolutely amazing to portray exactly what I was trying to get across. Exactly. And I see this happen over and over and over again over the years teaching about this. So yes, it can absolutely break down some walls, get past some barriers, open things up, pun intended. <laughs> I just had to read that to you. It was absolutely amazing. I found this on Reddit and the poster of this has since deleted their responsibility for it. So I can't actually even write them and say, hey, I put this up on my podcast, but it's a public forum. So I feel okay about that. I read you guys stuff from Reddit all the time. So there you have it. It's just such a beautiful letter and um, an example, I hope for some of you. Let me move on to the next one. This is something I got on FetLife. It was a private message and the subject line said, I want to be beautiful. And this person wrote me and said, I just wanted to say how much I loved what you said about men learning to be sexy in a look at me, I'm sexy kind of way. This is something I learned recently when my amazing wife and I tried a bisexual foursome for the first time. It was an intense experience and I learned a lot about myself. The gist of it is that when I was offered a beautiful woman that I find to be very good looking, I could not get a boner for her even though my wife got me hard as hell and stuffed me inside of this woman. The second I penetrated her, I went soft. This was not an easy thing for me to swallow, as all of the people in the room were watching. They were all very supportive. In the end, after going over and over why this happened to me, I realized that the other person did not make me feel beautiful and attractive. So I know this is not pegging related, but I thought it was relevant. I want to feel beautiful. <laughs> I'm so glad you sent me that because a lot of men feel this way. A lot of men feel this wonderful, delightful joy and freedom at edging into the territory of being sexy and dancing sexy and wearing sexy things and looking and feeling beautiful. Whatever that means to you, you know, whatever that definition is for you in your life, that can be very powerful. It really can. And I don't think that men get to feel that joy and that, um, appreciation and receive that appreciation from other pe people of the sexiness and the beautiful. Yes. So thank you for sending that. Okay. This is another thing from Reddit that I thought you guys would, uh, would appreciate and enjoy. The uh, title of the post is straight guy ashamed that I enjoy anal toys. This was in the main Reddit sex forum. 
Hi, I'm not a good writer, so I'll try and keep this short. I'm a 21-year-old straight guy. I've been fascinated with anal and big toys since I was a teen, but I repressed it then because I lived with my parents. When I moved out into my own, I was at first excited to buy my first toys. I wanted to stretch and train to be able to take huge toys. I'd been looking at porn of people using toys anally and discussions of anal toys and anal sex for years at this point. I am probably the most book smart anal sex guy in existence, laugh out loud. I started with a butt plug training kit and then bought a couple more larger ones. However, as soon as the initial excitement wore off, I started to feel really, really ashamed. I felt ashamed that I liked anal. I felt ashamed that I bought expensive toys. I felt ashamed that I wasted so much of my time to this quote unquote hobby. I especially felt ashamed about going larger with the toys, even if I liked it. When I realized how warped my view of normal size toy was, I have not been in a relationship yet, but I feel like I'm isolating myself in an echo chamber and that in real life, girls would think that it is disgusting that I take such big toys or that I do anal at all. And the worst part is how my feelings fluctuate. Because while I feel ashamed most of the time, there are some moments where I don't. Those are the times I play with my toys. I have currently a new toy I bought being mailed to me. I felt happy when I bought it, but I feel so, so awful and shameful that I ordered it now. I want to throw my toys away and hide in a hole. Pun not intended. I'm not sure what kind of advice I need or if I'm just venting. I just feel so alone in all of this. So that was the post. And of course, Reddit rallied and encouraged and supported this person pretty much across the board and told them, look, you like what you like. There are partners out there who are totally fine with big toy play and don't judge their partners for it and maybe even might want to participate in it. And it's just society's bullshit attitudes that cause the shame inside you and you're just fine. I mean, Reddit totally rallied. They're good at that sometimes. This one singular response really stood out to me. And I just, I feel like I want to print this out. In fact, I probably will print this out, put it on, a, uh, you know, put it on my computer, print it out and put it up on the wall behind my desk. You like what you like. We're just ghosts in meat suits on an unimaginably tiny rock hurtling through the vastness of space, occupying a minuscule piece of existence for the briefest conceivable slice of eternity. Put things in your butt if you want to. <laughs> I absolutely love that response. I totally love that response, which certainly gives one perspective. I mean... Oh, it's so easy to get caught up in what other people think or what other people might think. And absolutely, I can do that myself because I occupy so many really unusual boxes that when I think about trying to date people, I fall into this sometimes. It's like, oh my God, really trying to date me and I'm the age that I am and I'm a sex educator and I'm ethically non-monogamous and I'm a sex worker and all of these different things. But you know, you like what you like. Put things in your butt if you want. And for me, I like what I like. So I get to be exactly who I am. So I wanted to share that with you all in the hopes that if anyone is listening to this podcast for the first time and suffering from some level of shame regarding their enjoyment of ass play with toys or with partners or what have you, you know, Put things in your butt if you want. Enjoy that. <laughs> it really, in the grand scheme of things, makes absolutely no difference what other people think. The only person who matters in terms of what they think about it is you. So there you go. Okay, here is a letter. Ah, good day, Ruby. Please accept this message as a friend request. And while I have you, I thought I would take the opportunity to ask one question regarding pegging terminology. Firstly, I just wanted to let you know that while I was doing some research on pegging on the internet, I found your website and your podcast. Boy, am I glad I did. I am working backwards, forgive the pun. I almost deleted that comment in case you made me the butt of one of your jokes <laughs> through your podcast. I am currently listening to episode 281 and really enjoying them all. 
I was stuck in a loveless and sexless marriage for many years, and given there was zero vanilla sex, there was less than zero chance of any butt play, so I really empathize with the heartbreaking situations your listeners outline. I know from first-hand experience how horrible it is to be shut down and denied sex, comfort, and appreciation by the very person you expected to be with forever. It truly does destroy your soul. Anyway, your website is terrific with lots of good information. Well done. I see the same question asked on the internet many times. Why do men like pegging? Well, first of all, the physical side is just amazing. So who wouldn't? Also, it can be hard for a man to be vulnerable in front of a woman, and being tied up, blindfolded, and fucked in the ass is as vulnerable as it gets for a guy. Trust me, I know. (laughs) It can also be quite liberating, too. I love the power exchange and role reversal. So I say to all the givers and receivers out there, the more pegging, the better. (laughs) Now I just need to find a partner for some serious ass-fucking. However, that brings me to my question. We have fuck buddies for fucking. Are pegging buddies a thing for pegging? Or is it peg buddies? Significant peg others? Just want to get the terminology correct. Ha ha. Best regards, Aussie Mark. (laughs) I am not aware that the word pegging has been applied to any other phrases in combinations with other words in that regard. Uh, There are still a fair amount of people out there that absolutely hate the word pegging. Sad to say, I mean, I'm certainly invested in terms of domains and things like that. But I've talked about the evolution of the word as well. There's part of the queer community that's embraced it to mean anybody putting a strap on and penetrating anybody else in any orifice. And that's totally fine. But it does require that I be really specific about what I teach to in regard to prostate uh, owners as being receivers and vagina owners as being givers in my classes, because I absolutely teach to that. And that's not the only combination when you talk about the evolution of the word, but No, no peg buddies. I don't know. You can certainly call up a friend that, that are, you know, enjoys pegging you and you enjoy pegging them and that's it, you know, just for pegging. (laughs) And if you have that, sir, you're a lucky man. (laughs) Thank you so much for your question and for speaking to what you enjoy about pegging. That was eloquent and beautiful to read and to hear. Okay, here is my next question. Uh, The subject is actually questions on depth. Dear Ruby, I'm a 28-year-old prostate owner, and I am in a beautiful four-year-long age gap relationship with a woman who is 33 years my senior. Our origin story is quite phenomenal, which I am happy to share if you or your listeners are interested. We enjoy the pleasures of pegging and anal play often, having only discovered it after getting together. My question is, what is a good and very safe way for me to begin exploring a deeper penetration, specifically past the sigmoid colon or the second sphincter, as some say? My main concern is safety, as I'm aware it is a pretty delicate area, but I understand it can bring even more pleasure. Would you recommend this kind of exploration, and if so, how? Any advice you have would be greatly appreciated. And this is signed, John, somewhere in the Midwest. (laughs) So, John, somewhere in the Midwest, here's the deal. This is exactly what I teach about in my advanced webinar. I totally do. In fact, the little spiel I give on it is if you are interested in exploring anything wider than two inches in diameter and longer than eight inches in length, please take my advanced class so that I can teach you all about it. Because what I speak to in that part of the webinar, in my advanced webinar, why people do it, what they get out of it, what it feels like, how to do it safely, what your physiology looks like in that area of your body, and the best toys to use to stay safe. You're talking about the end of the rectal canal. Now, normally pegging happens in the rectal canal, but you can certainly use longer toys. The distance from the opening of your anus to the back of the rectal canal, where your body takes literally a 90-degree turn, is called the rectosigmoid junction. There does seem to be... Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't finish that sentence. It, it varies from person to person, from the opening of the anus to where it takes that 90-degree turn, from 6 to 7.5 inches. Okay, so that's why the vast majority of dildos are that length. But if you you want to explore past that, what it requires is a very tapered toy 
Sew a smaller end on it and very soft because hello, 90 degree angle, right? It needs to be very, very flexible. And there are some toys that are really specifically made for that kind of exploration. It's not for everybody. Some people absolutely love it. And some people don't like anything going past that uh, second, that, that 90 degree angle. Like I started to say, there seems to be some disagreement or at least discussion as to whether or not that is a true sphincter or not. Um, some people call it a second sphincter and other, you know, like the physiology, little maps and things you find on the internet, they just call it the rectosigmoid junction. So I don't think they really know if there's a true sphincter there, but that doesn't really matter. The way that you have to approach it is gradually and slowly. And I teach all about that in my advanced webinar. So you certainly, if you're familiar with my work, know exactly where to find that. Theartofpegging.com is my educational platform, and that is where I have listed all of the upcoming webinars. So thanks for the question. And you know, there's a lot of information that I teach about that, not just how to do it safely, and one of the things that happens is the stimulation of vagus nerve, which is like this magical thing that does all kinds of wonderful things for your body. So yeah, take the webinar. I think you'll really enjoy it. And thank you so much for the letter. Oh, there's a PS. I scrolled down in my notes here. My partner and I are very big fans of what you do, particularly the battling of shame and promoting a pleasure. You are truly doing God's work. <laughs> Thank you so much. I am not so much a believer in uh, the typical version uh, of organized religion, God, but I am very spiritual in terms of believing in a higher power. So I believe I am definitely doing the higher powers work, whatever anyone wants to call it. Thank you so much for those kind words. Okay, so here's my next one. Taking celebration time. The subject line says, oh my God, it finally happened last night and it was amazing. <laughs> For several years now, I have been wanting to be pegged. I've played a good bit solo, and she has known I wanted it for a long time. We have been openly talking about it more, and she agreed to it if I was on top. And then all in caps, it says, last night it happened. <laughs> it was amazing. A few things I noticed. One. I felt I got comfortable with her inside me much faster than with solo play. After a while, it felt very, quote, normal, end quote, having her inside me, and that made it even better. Two, the emotional connection was amazing. While having her inside me felt good, it was even better feeling her touch me. I mentioned I really liked feeling it slide in and out, and she got to where she was guiding me and then slamming me down while moving her hips up to meet me. She really did an amazing job of fucking me from the bottom. Three, I never really got hard. This is something I've noticed before in solo play. Sometimes I'm hard and sometimes just a semi. This time I was mostly a semi or even soft. In solo play, I usually end by jerking off, but this time I couldn't even get myself to come jerking off. I really think I was just enjoying everything else about it so much, I didn't care about coming, if that makes sense. Afterwards, I really wanted to have PIV sex, but I couldn't even get hard. I have never felt so satisfied from sex without having an orgasm. I read a lot about how guys have mind-blowing orgasms from this, but it was different. I was so emotionally satisfied and thankful that all that seemed to trump the physical pleasure I got. I am forever grateful my wife gave me last night, and I hope there are more great nights to come. <laughs> Congratulations. Oh my gosh, that is a wonderful story. And some um, amazing reflections that you shared with us. There absolutely are some receivers who just the receiving of the getting fucked is so satisfying, just like there are vagina owners who just receiving a cock inside them and getting fucked is satisfying enough. And it's not a situation where they feel like they must have an orgasm because it does edge over, it seems, into the emotionally satisfying place. I think in both instances, they're comparable in that 
taking someone into your body is a really intense thing. It's very vulnerable and it can be very emotional. And I don't think enough credit is given for the PIV situations for that intensity. Part of the reason I think that happens is because the default is always PIV. When you think of sex, that's what everyone defaults to is intercourse. And goodness, people, there's so many zillions of other things you can do. There's intercourse and outer course and pegging and just oral and all kinds of things, okay? So it would be nice if we could normalize PIV not being the default and just someone says, I'd like to have sex or, hey, well, you want to have sex with me or you're talking about sex that then you get curious and you clarify and you ask, you say, what kind of sex are you, do you prefer? What are you thinking about? What do you feel like? And it's not always assumed that the cock will penetrate the vagina. Oh my God, I'm so tired of that. But clearly I'm biased. <laughs> you all know I'm quite biased. <laughs> but anyone's going to do the penetrating most of the time, it's going to be me. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much and congratulations. Oh my gosh, congratulations. Okay, so I did find one more thing about an emotional reaction that I wanted to read to you that again, I found on Reddit. I was cruising around on Reddit and there's a whole bunch of really cool stuff there I found to share with you. So let me get this. Okay, the post here on Reddit is crazy powerful emotions while being pegged, question mark, right? And here's the post. We are still somewhat new to pegging, although I wouldn't say we are inexperienced. The last few months, we have really zeroed in on what feels good and what works best for us. The whole experience is absolutely mind-blowing. But lately, as we have gotten better at it, I have been getting these overwhelming feelings of love and connection with my girlfriend. Don't get me wrong, I absolutely love her. She is my perfection, but this is crazy. A few nights ago, the last time she pegged me, I almost cried when I came. I can't think or process anything. It's like this over-the-top feelings and emotions and just this wild ride. I feel like she broke me, but in the most wonderful way, laugh out loud. Anyway, do others feel like this? It seems so backwards to feel such love and admiration and appreciation for her while she is doing something like pegging, laugh out loud. I actually thanked her for pegging me one time after I came back from wherever she sends my mind when she makes me come. It is seriously the most amazing thing I have ever experienced sexually. If someone would have told me this before experiencing it for myself, I wouldn't have believed them. And here's some of the responses. Same here, overwhelming intense emotions and absolutely heavenly prostate sensations, leaving me unable to speak, just moan in ecstasy, emotions that have bonded us closer than anything in 30 years of marriage. Here's another comment. She's pegging you, but in the process, you're having a mind-blowing orgasm. Feeling an outpouring of love seems pretty reasonable to me. Your brain gets flooded with neurotransmitters during orgasm. A cursory search turned up a published research on the topic, if you're interested. Just make sure you verbalize these feelings to your partner, because she can't read your mind. Expressing that outpouring of love is a great affirmation for her, and will assuredly make your relationship stronger, not to mention increasing the odds of you continuing to get pegged in the future. And the uh, original poster uh, responded, I absolutely do. Just was shocked at how intense the feelings are. It literally overwhelms me and shuts my brain off. The appreciation I feel is crazy. It makes me want to do super nice things for her. <laughs> Here's another comment. It's a beautiful feeling. I've gotten there a few times and I've never felt so close to someone. And another comment. Yes, I totally get that, except I find it lasts an entire day where I'm a little more emotional and clingy and in awe of her. Oh my God, yes, it lasted a couple of days last time. I would find myself staring at her and just smiling. I adore her so much. And another comment. I think it has a lot to do with the feeling of vulnerability that you experience when submitting to her and giving her total control. And I don't mean in a dom subway, but let's be real. As men, we really are putting ourselves out there and really trusting the one we are giving ourselves to in a way that is not very common. And if you're doing it with someone you truly love, it is a very intimate and raw thing. And one last one for you. I couldn't agree more. I'm a full-on A-type personality, and when I give myself to her in that way, it's not submission in the typical sense, or at least the way I understood it. Submission's not really my thing, so I can't really speak on it. But with this, the trust, the feeling of being safe to embrace these feelings and encouraged to explore them, 
I don't know. Like I said, overwhelming. I wish I was a writer so I could put it all into words. <laughs> wow. So that was such a beautiful thread. It astonishes me. It pleases me. It brings me great joy. It delights me when I find a bunch of men talking about emotions, <laughs> you know? So that's part of it. And clearly it's my favorite subject, but at the same time, wow, men talking about emotions. So amazing. And not just emotions, but of course, part of the delight is the waxing poetic about their partners and how much they feel so close to them. And I, I talk about this a fair amount about, yeah, the deeper intimacy is often the outcome from pegging, but a deeper intimacy partly because the vulnerability of it cracks open parts of the receiver sometimes. Yeah, we got a broken record going on here. Let me just move to the next letter. Okay, here's my next letter. Ruby, first, feel free to use this on air. I'm a very alpha male working in an extremely alpha world where anything deemed not manly will get you blacklisted and your career ended. This is a big challenge because I love butt play and pegging. I crave and long for it, but at the same time, feel great shame afterward. I recently met a trans therapist who told me a bit about shadow work and how it can reduce shame surrounding things like pegging or more taboo things like wearing panties, cross-dressing, chastity, feminization, bisexuality, cocksucking, etc. Do you know much about shadow work? And if this is something us alpha guys should explore to come to grips with our shame and start living without fear and shame, this would likely help us talk to the women in our lives about our desires, honestly. Love your podcast. So I did a deep dive into it, not real deep. And this is signed by Jay. So thank you, Jay, for that question and for sharing all of that with us. So I checked it out, went to Wikipedia and read about shadow. And, and I copied this for you all to hear. And then I have a bunch of links for you. This is from Jung psychology. So Jung stated the shadow to be the unknown dark side of the personality. According to Jung, the shadow in being instinctive and irrational is prone to psychological projection in which a perceived personal inferiority is recognized as a perceived moral deficiency in someone else. Jung writes that if these projections remain hidden, the projection making factor, the shadow archetype, then has a free hand and can realize its object, if it has one, or bring about some other situation characteristic of its power. These projections insulate and delude individuals by acting as a constantly thickening veil of illusion between the ego and the real world. Okay, that is a lot of words there, and I had to read it a few times, but what I've come to understand, and I, I didn't know this was Jung, and I've heard people talk about shadow work before. I think it's a different phrasing of it, and I, just, I understood it, but just in different ways and didn't realize that it originated with Jung, is that if there's something about you that you do not like about yourself, that is one of the first things you see about other people that you don't like. In other words, they mirror you, and you look at them, and you project this onto them, and then you have a hard time with them as opposed to turning around and looking at yourself. And that might not be quite it. I don't think I explained it very well, but yeah, there are four different YouTube videos that talk about shadow work that anybody who's interested in this, I am going to post those in the links for everybody because it's one more way to dive in. And I think it's a really valuable way to dive in. How these things are framed differ from therapist to therapist. So I think shadow work is absolutely very helpful. I think any kind of therapy is really helpful as long as you have a sex positive uh, therapist who doesn't shame you and holds space for you and doesn't automatically put pathological diagnoses on or doesn't automatically see everything as pathology if it doesn't fit into their little box of accepted sexuality. So there you go. Thank you so much for that letter. And I'll put these up for anybody who's interested. I think they're quite valuable and really interesting. I watched all of them and thought, wow, this is some good stuff. So yay. Okay, here's my next letter. Hey, Ruby, first, I want to start by saying I absolutely love your podcast. There are many, many frustrated men out there and many future frustrated men. <laughs> who need to hear what you have to say. I know from my own story that having anal stimulation done to the male part in a straight relationship 
is some is one of the most taboo topics there is. So I'm a 35 year old man. Consider myself as a masculine and normal guy. I'm 187 centimeters tall. I got a beard. I've worked in construction since I was 17 years old and I have a working man's body. I'm married to a lovely wife and have a son, just an average normal guy. And I would like to share my story with you. My anal story started when I was about 14. I had just watched some porn where they had anal sex and it was the most exciting thing I'd ever seen. So from then on, whenever I watched porn, I always tried to find anal porn. It was absolutely awesome to look at the woman and hear her moan and moan while getting stuffed back there. So after a while, I started to think, I also have a hole like that, so I could also experience that kind of pleasure. So I started looking for objects which had the right shape for my ass. It was all kinds of weird things which I would never even have close to my butt now, laugh out loud. So the only kind of lubrication I had back then was a lubrication which was on some condoms, which some friends gave me. I put condoms on all the weird objects and tried to insert it, but the pain was too much to handle. Mostly I would just give up on the whole anal exploration and carry on without it. But every now and then, the desire to put something in my ass grew too strong, and I had to try it again. But it was the same thing all over again, with the pain being too intense, so I had to give it up. When I was about 16, 17, I started dating girls, and sometimes I ended up in bed with them. But I was not able to have any sex at that age, because my penis would never get erect. All I was thinking of was my desire to be stuffed, and that brought shame. I felt like a weirdo, and that what I desired was so unnormal. There was no sex education talking about prostate stimulation or anal penetration on men at all at school, and anything related to the male butt was considered gay by everyone, so it was no option to tell anyone about it. Forward to my mid-twenties, I had a girlfriend who I was madly in love with. We had a five-year-long relationship, and I could see myself marrying her. When we first started dating and having sex, it was the same story with me not being able to have an erection, but she had a way to calm me down, so eventually my penis started working. We ended up having a great sex life for a while until I started feeling that something was missing, and then all in caps he writes, I needed anal stimulation. (laughs) I spent a long time finding courage to tell her about my desire. This was something I needed in my life, and I wanted her to be the one doing it to me. So one day I finally told her, and her reaction couldn't have been worse. She was calling me a faggot and all kinds of other words. The shame I felt was insane. I actually ended up crying a lot and becoming depressed. I really felt like a freak. As a no-shocker, the relationship fell apart. So after moving away from her and after some time to heal my wounds and pride, I started feeling the desire to have my butt filled again. So I ordered a dildo and a ton of lube. I was so excited when I went to pick it up at the post office. I couldn't manage to open it fast enough when coming home. I can't remember the brand or the model of the dildo, but it wasn't too big. It had a thinner shaft with a more marked head. When sliding it in, it felt so good. Just to put it inside and keep it there felt amazing. I started using it every evening, and after some time, I found out how I liked using it, like angles, movement, and which position I liked the most. What I found out was that when I sat down in a squatting position and fucking myself as fast as I could, I could have prostate orgasms, and that's capitalized too. After polishing my technique, I could make myself come in a few minutes. And when I first started coming, I would come and come again. And again, the capitals, I was multi-orgasmic. And I could come without any penile stimulation at all. So, a little bit fast forward. I found a new girlfriend who ended up as my wife now. She is a very petite Asian girl, almost two heads shorter than me, very feminine and, quote, passive, end quote. So I threw my dildo away and I started suppressing my desire for anal sex done to me again. But the desire was too hard to handle. I had to tell her. We'd been together for almost two years. We'd become married. And I trusted her and felt very comfortable with her. But still, I was terrified to tell her. So I came up with a plan. You see, I've always read sex articles and watched some info about sex on YouTube. And I thought that if I pretended to just recently have read about prostate stimulation, I could gently bring it up and ask what she thought. 
Her reaction was completely different than my ex. She just giggled and said I was so crazy when it came to sex, but she wasn't calling me anything or reacting in a bad way. So I told her that I was really interested in her doing something for my butt. She didn't like the idea of using fingers on me, so it had to be some kind of toy. Amen to that. So I gave her a link to some strap-on harnesses and a dildo from an online sex shop. I became so happy when she actually agreed to it. And when the day came when we had the strap on at home, I was like a kid on Christmas. I laid down and she put it on. She looked a bit uncomfortable and, quote, out of place, but she lubed it up and gently put it in me. After the weird feeling when it just enters went away, I was in heaven. Laying down with my legs spread while looking at my wife thrusting in and out of me was too much to handle. I came at once. We've done it every now and then until recently. Now we do it several times per week. You see, there was this evening my wife wanted me to do her ass too, and she ended up having many and intense orgasms from being anally fucked combined with a vibrator on her clit. She said she lost count of how many times she had an orgasm during that session. So I told her that what she experienced there, I also experience I can have when I'm getting fucked. That made her want to fuck me even more. So I also would feel as good as she felt. I think that sexual education should include anal and prostate stimulation on men too. The prostate is the strongest sexual organ on men. Anal orgasms are at least 10 times stronger than penile orgasms. It makes the whole body weak and satisfied. It's truly amazing and it's such a shame that it has such a stigma. I'm sorry if this was messily written. English is not my first language and I'm feeling a bit, quote, out of my mind, end quote, while writing this. You see, I just had a long session with my dildo before writing this. The wife is at work and the kid is at school. What can a poor man do? <laughs> P.S. A little tip for the guys. When you lay on your back while your girl fucks you, spread your legs as wide as you can. For me, it feels like the whole lower part of my body opens up and the pleasure becomes insane. Oh, one last thing. My prostate orgasms are not like anything else I've read about so far. My ejaculation is purely liquid from the prostate, and I'm squirting it like a female would squirt. Have you ever heard about something like this before? It's like I'm peeing, but the liquid does not taste or smell like pee, and it's very slippery. Hugs and kisses from the Scandinavian Viking. <laughs> Lovely name, and thank you so much for sharing that. Wow. So... Hearing that whole story, hearing your journey, hearing about all the shame and everything, it really touches me. It warms my heart and it makes me sad for the times when you felt so much shame and you tried so hard to not do any more ass play. I completely 1000% agree with you that prostate stimulation and male receptive anal play should be something taught in sex education. But the, the sad fact is, is the vast majority of sex education in the United States anyway, is not pleasure based. All we do is scare people about how not to catch STIs, how not to get pregnant and consent. If you're lucky, if you're in a state that requires that I am because consent is mandatory in teaching of sex education in California. However, have you ever heard of any sex education in any high school focusing on pleasure? Really? Have you ever? Have you ever heard anybody talk about technique? You sure they tell you the technique of how to put a condom on? But I mean, yeah, pleasure-based sex education. So what we need is comprehensive and accurate pleasure-based sex education. So I totally agree with you 1000% on that. I am so happy for you that your wife was so receptive and did not shame you like your last partner did. And your question at the end about your ejaculation. So I also did some reading recently on this and I learned that the seminal vesicle is the part of the prostate as best as I can understand it that makes all the fluid. And the, the, it also, I think, has the musculature to do the spasming and make it go out when ejaculations happen. And the fluid that comes from there is certainly the biggest part. I think they said like 70% of ejaculate. So that's a pretty good volume of liquid. And so it keeps making it the more you're turned on. It's quite possible it keeps making it the more you stimulate the prostate as well, because I do know that stimulation of the prostate will increase the volume of your ejaculate. 
Um, and this isn't across the board, it's just the tendency of that. So many times when receivers first start having prostate stimulation, they're like, holy crap, my load was so big. And you hear this all the time. So the seminal vesicle it sounds like it is uh, periodically spasming and emptying while you are having all of those wonderful orgasms. <laughs> and yes, even though it follows the same path as the pee, because everything is all connected in there, it doesn't taste or smell like it, because I believe that is seminal vesicle prostatic fluid, if you will. So, and yes, very slippery. So that kind of answers a question that I've been asked several times, but I don't think that I managed to find the stuff on uh, on Google, you know, I, I didn't find the stuff that explained it quite well enough. I found myself searching out maps and things. So I will link to one of those too that shows you where the seminal vesicle is and explains it. I can't remember where I found it, but I can find it again. So that if anybody's interested in that, they can read about it. Oh, yay. What a wonderful one to end on. <laughs> yay. Thank you so much for sending that in. So peggingparadise.com is where you can find my blog, my podcast, and my erotica. Pegging101.com offers informational articles only with no kink. Theartofpegging.com is where you will find my educational webinars. My podcasts are available through any of your favorite podcast downloader apps. You can also stream them directly from my website if you like. And you can follow me on FetLife, Reddit, TikTok. Um, and I, <laughs> I created new Instagram account. I don't have a whole lot of enthusiasm for it, but it's called Ruby's World of No Shame. Anyway, when you order exciting new toys from EnticeMe.com, please do remember to use that coupon code RIDER for free shipping. And you can send your questions to ruby at peggingparadise.com. No question is too crazy, too critical, or too... hmm, that's another C word. Complicated. There you go. <laughs> complicated. My listeners are going to learn along with you, so don't hesitate. Please throw those questions in my mailbox and your stories as well. Or you can record them on the voice app of your phone and send it to me and I can play it on the air. Thank you so much for downloading and listening. You all rock. Happy pegging and no shame. <laughs>